When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I'll save you the trouble. Your favorite baseball club went a combined 7-11 and 11 against the four teams that are left standing in Major League Baseball's playoffs. The two from Texas, the Diamondbacks, and the Phillies. And against the Phillies, they went 3-3, three and three, including competing, I thought, pretty well in that last series that I covered out there a couple weeks ago. And what does that mean? Not a thing. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, the same place that you found this. The Pirates competed fairly well against better teams, but especially over the final couple months of the season. That actually became something of a hallmark for them, I would say, beginning in about the middle of August. And then, by about the first week or the second week of September, Derek Shelton made it a calling card. He made it something that he wanted to have his players treat as a challenge. He told them, we're going into these road stadiums. These teams are fighting for their lives. Let's let's compete at that level. Let's compete within those crowd uh, atmospheres. Let's fight situations off. Let's do things that we can't simulate or replicate in any other form. It was a great idea. Uh, this manager has not gotten a whole lot of credit for being you know, imaginative or outside the box or anything. And that's because he really hasn't been. This was an exception. He and I had a talk about this in that series that I just mentioned out in Philadelphia. And I asked him at one point if if he was concerned that it might backfire. You know, anytime you put a challenge forth to anyone, there's a chance that it's just going to blow up in their faces and then in turn blow up in your face. And he said, no, because what they really wanted out of it was the players to get the sense for those atmospheres. He didn't want them to feel numb to them. He didn't want them to feel outside of them. He didn't want, for example, a pitcher to take the mound and think, I mean, I'm out here and I'm in this atmosphere, but this isn't really about me. This is about those guys over there because they're playing for something. For me, I'm just kind of riding it out. He didn't want anybody to feel off the hook there. 
And in turn, they performed pretty well. They really did, collectively and individually. I thought even more so than the 20-8 and eight start that this was the highlight of the 2023 season from a team perspective. I really do. But again, it means nothing. Because what does mean something is that the four teams that are still standing all did so on merit and on a long-lasting merit. That's what baseball's all about. You can have fans of certain teams that get eliminated in some of these shorter playoff rounds complaining about, oh, this series is too short, best of three isn't fair, best of five isn't fair. That's the format. The Pirates played three straight years from 2013 to 15 with a best of one format and were eliminated in two of those once with a 98-win season. Want to talk about unfair? you got to start the dialogue right there. You'll never see anything or feel anything more absurd than that clubhouse in 2015 after the Pirates won 98 games and boom, it was just gone. One night, really just a couple of swings by the other guys, and everything was gone. And that's not what baseball's supposed to be about. But these teams that got there got there on the strength of 162 games, plus winning the playoff formats that are put in front of them. And that takes oof, that takes so much more than just well, we were competitive against those guys in May or August. Or for that matter, we were competitive overall in April or even in the middle of August and onward. It takes real depth to withstand injuries, lack of performance, or even just slumps within a season that happened to a good player. All of that requires lots more than what the Pirates have right now. What the Pirates have, as I see it, is about two-thirds of a lineup that they'll feel good about. The other third, they'll be hoping and crossing fingers for. And then they're going to have a bench that's it's going to be able to produce at a bench level, but it might not be able to take the field for a sustained stretch if somebody's out for a long time. That's not going to get you to where these four teams are. And everything that I just said, multiply it by about three, and you'll have how I feel about the pitching. There's certain guys you can get excited about. Mitch Keller, because you know what he is. Paul Skeens, because you have a pretty good idea of what he's going to be. But beyond that, what are you looking at? Johan Oviedo and a whole lot of crossed fingers. You got to go get some and you got to go get a lot of it. That's the main lesson, if there's any, in watching these league championship series over the next couple of weeks to call when it comes to the local club. They need a lot more of it. We come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street 
from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Matt, who says, DK, this team needs a first baseman badly. While I think Carlos Santana would still be a solid fit, I like Brandon Belt a lot more. He's very good defensively. He has some pop as a lefty. He's two years younger than Santana, and he's been on two World Series champions. Matt, before I even embark on who would be the first baseman that you bring in from the outside... I want to call your attention to some of the statistical analyses, or at least the, the cumulative effect of those analyses that's out there right now in a lot of different places, uh, articles, social media, about Jared Triolo. I know, I know. Somebody gets labeled a certain way, and we say, yep, that's who they are, and that's who they're going to be. But Triolo, who was supposed to be, a glove only or glove predominantly third baseman on a team that absolutely does not need a glove at third base or really third base instead became something that was significantly more over the course of the 2023 schedule. And he did so in a way that he showed his defense but he showed his versatility in also being able to field at first and field quite well at first. And then, as the season progressed and he was further and further away from that Hammett surgery that he had on his hand, his power either came back or came to exist, depending on how you view his minor league history. Triolo's always had pop to an extent, not home run power, but he's been able to go gap to gap and so forth, and he's been able to do it fairly consistently. However, for those of you unfamiliar with the Hammett surgery, it's fairly common in baseball. It's a useless bone in your hand near your wrist that gets worn down by the act of hitting. Doctors will flat out remove the thing. They just take it right out. It wasn't needed in the first place. It's not wanted. However, even though the recovery from the surgery is quick, the full restoration of a player's power, this happened to Pedro Alvarez early in his Pittsburgh career. And even Pedro, for all that light tower power that he had, lost it following the surgery. And they say that it takes about six months for it to come all the way back. Well, what do you know? Triolo has this surgery 
He gets assigned to Indianapolis after a decent spring in Bradenton, and he hits and he hits and he hits, but not for any power. We forget about the Hammett thing. Well, as he's in Pittsburgh for a longer period, what do you know, but in late August and in the month of September, all the way through, you started to see him boom the ball a little bit. He's hitting right-handed. He doesn't need to be assigned first base on some full-time everyday basis. He just doesn't. It could be where Triolo splits in platoon fashion or even just rotating bench fashion, moving around to other positions if they decide that they want to still keep Brian Hayes on some sort of uh, schedule to manage his back issues. He can move around the infield a little bit. He can play first base against a lefty pitcher. Following me now on this? Okay, so now you go get your lefty first baseman, your veteran guy, whether it's Santana or Belt or whoever, and you just put them out there against righties. I'm going to take some exception here with your characterization of Santana as lacking defensively. Maybe you didn't mean it that way, but he's pretty good over there. And there were times when he was just flat out excellent. And I know when I was in Milwaukee the last time, and we were up there and Santana was now with the Brewers, he had just gotten there. They were already singing his praises up there about his glove work. So between that and his bond with O'Neill Cruz and the passion, the legitimate passion that he showed for playing for the Pirates, not just while he was with them last year, but even after he left, even while he was wearing a Milwaukee cap talking to me up there, that's, that's not something to be ignored. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We're going to do another one of these on Monday. Have a good weekend.